Kids are home, you're at home, and everybody has to eat. Nurture Life provides nutritious, ready-to-eat meals for the whole family, delivered fresh right to your door each week. Meals are portioned by age and designed specifically to meet the nutrient needs of your child, so everyone from your 10-month-old to your 18-year-old can continue to eat well and stay healthy as we stay inside. With a focus on organic veggies, lean, antibiotic, and hormone-free proteins, and whole grains, Nurture Life meals offer balanced nutrition that kids actually like. From mac and cheese with cauliflower to teriyaki salmon with rainbow veggie rice, each meal sets a new standard for what kids' food should be. Weekly deliveries start at just $39, and you can build your own box to select the right mix of meals for your family. Skip weeks or cancel any time to fit your ever-changing needs and schedule. Get the best meals for your kids and family delivered right to your door, available for every zip code across the contiguous United States. Take 25% off your first Nurture Life order with the code PARENTDRIVEN. Visit NurtureLife.com to learn more. Hi, and welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Adarsh, and I'm here with my friend Mandy. Hi, I'm Mandy Moore, and I'm here with my friend, JC. Hello, everyone. I'm JC, and I'm here with my friend, Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and today we are joined by our guest, Becca Harrett-Weigel. She is a content creator by nature. She's working on websites, coding-related projects, a blog. She's also written three screenplays, three pilots, and is finishing up a memoir. So very creative. She's also a mom to four young kids, aged three to 10, uh, and has spent the last 10 years of her life adjuncting in various university English departments. She's sort of doing a 180 learning to learning to code and she graduated from Flatiron School software engineering program in May of 2019 and she's been working at Sprockets as a front-end developer since July 2019. So welcome Becca we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So I think to get started, can you talk to us a little bit about your journey through career switch- switching? Sure. So I didn't really plan on career switching. I had been teaching for 10 years and I I was fine there. I wasn't really happy, but I liked it enough to stick with it. And then when I gave birth to my fourth kid, I went through a major trauma and it just kind of threw off my whole life and my worldview. So my husband was encouraging me to learn how to code. So the whole career transition came when I found out that when I coded, it stopped the PTSD, all of the trauma from cycling in my brain. And once that happened, it started, it was really therapeutic initially. But then as I kept going with it, I thought, you know what, I really enjoy this more than I've enjoyed doing anything. So I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to see where it takes me. That's kind of how I got into Flatiron School and how I found the job that I'm in now. What were you doing prior to learning how to code? I was adjuncting, working part-time in an English department at a local university. I had been there for eight years And I had taught a variety of classes, lots of core classes, freshman English classes. I taught screenwriting one semester. So it was interesting in that I was learning to do a lot of different things, reading a lot of new things, but it didn't quite 
fulfill me in the way that coding does now. Interesting. I'm wondering like what you found sort of like therapy, like what, I don't know if you've done any sort of introspection since, but if you feel like you have thoughts on like what parts of coding and learning to code were sort of therapeutic and, and did help like help you through that experience? Yeah, I've thought a lot about that. And I've done a little bit of research on it. And it what I found is that I think that learning a new skill requires your brain to intensely focus on that thing. And so I had never really done anything like coding before. And there was all this new information coming at me, learning a new language, trying to read these error messages. And so my brain didn't have time to cycle through the trauma that I had been through. So rather than doing the everyday things that kind of became like the monotony of everyday normal life allowed those thoughts to continue to cycle pretty much constantly all day. Coding required my full focus. And for whatever reason, my brain was willing to give it that. And so I think, you know, maybe I could have taken up crocheting and it would have done the same thing, but I'm happy that I took up coding. They probably wouldn't have paid as well either, but you know, that's always a plus. For sure. (laughs) What has been one of the most satisfying things you found with your newfound career here? I love the ability to learn every day and to continually be in that mindset where I'm going to be growing. And it's kind of nice to be a student again. So for all of those years, I was a teacher. And even though I was learning new material, it's not in the same way that I'm engaging with code and, you know, me is really great about like breaking things down and helping me to grow into this new position. So I do like that, that there is that constant learning and that's an expectation of the industry and that there's also so much potential for what I can learn and for what I can do with code. So a lot of my projects for Flatiron School, for example, had to do with women who had gone through trauma. And so just knowing that in my head that maybe one day I can create something for somebody so they didn't have to, you know, I essentially feel like I lost a couple of years of my life to what I went through, if I can build something to help them get through it quicker or to, you know, prevent it from happening at all, that kind of inspires me to continually move forward into this industry. I think that's really interesting that the, you know, there's a lot of names for that. The one that I've heard most is the flow state where your brain and the computer kind of just become one and you lose track of time and it shuts off a lot of other background processes in your brain, you know, has this can have this therapeutic effect also. I don't know if I'd call it therapeutic, but calming. That's really cool and interesting. I find that I am going through a pretty intense, overwhelming time these these days with just a lot of things going on. Everything's fine. Thank you. But I've been craving writing some code recently. And I think I just you just helped me make the connection that like it might help a lot of this mental noise calm down. Yeah, I love that you said that because one of the ways I've explained it in the past is like there was so much chaos that was going through my brain and the code was consistent, right? There are rules and there's logic. And so that felt like I needed some order to my chaos and that provided exactly what I needed. Yeah, I totally get that. One of the questions that I have is I can see code providing sort of like, you know, the rules and the order and just in like calming your brain in a certain way. But at the same time, right, like learning to code is 
is hard. Like, yes, any like anyone can do it. But like the actual act of like, you know, the actual act of of learning to code has, I think, a roller coaster and a lot of ups and downs. And so I'm I'm wondering if there were ever like in those lows, how you got through some of that, like if you ever sort of experienced like imposter syndrome while learning to code or, you know, still do, or like how you got through some of those lows when also coding was sort of bringing you out of a, of like a low-ish place? Yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely, I have definitely felt that. And I'd like to compare it to kind of infancy and toddlerhood, right? Like you're learning these new skills. And so for me, initially, it wasn't so much imposter syndrome as it was like that awkward growing pain phase, right? (laughs) So I kind of knew what I was doing, but I couldn't exactly walk. Like I was tripping up until, you know, I kind of mastered a skill, not to say that I've mastered that much of coding, but you know, enough to understand and to get by and to know how to ask the right questions. And so for me, I'm a really goal oriented person. And so setting those goals was really important to me. This is the mark that I'm going to hit. And one of the great parts of Flatiron, they didn't have cohorts at the time that I was there, but they had a beta cohort, which I got into. And I had a a mentor with the cohort who was really amazing and taught me how to push myself. So when I thought, you know what, I, I can't do this. There's no way. She was like, you can do this and you can do more. And she was just really amazing at reading me and my abilities. And she had that that great way of being able to push me. But I would say, you know, even now I'm in, so I started July 1st, so I'm a little over six months into my first job. And every week I would tell my husband like, well, this is the week I'm going to get fired. And that's no reflection in any way on my boss because he's been nothing but supportive. But it, it is that feeling of, you know, somebody just didn't realize what they were getting into when they hired me. And so my husband always say, like, you're, you're not going to get fired. It's fine. You know, you're learning and you're working through the process and this is how it is. So you have to, you know, you, you might not be or I might not be going as fast as I expect myself to go. But also I need to keep in mind that frequently, my expectations of myself are not realistic. And so I need to try to adjust that in order to say like, look, I've made a ton of progress in the last three months, or even the last week or over the last day. And this is what coding is about. It's about growing and learning every day. And that's not, it's not a failure. That's just the state of the journey. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I also learned how to code when like with with young kids and it was hard for me it was hard to like manage those expectations and also just like I also had a mentor that sort of helped me you know push through and and power through and it was exciting but it was also scary like you know I had all these colleagues or like other folks that were entering the industry that didn't have the responsibilities that that I had right and so making making time to like to to do the work making sure that I was in an atmosphere that was helpful for and supportive of of learning like I think that I mean you've 
you have four and that's like a question that I have. JC also has has four children, which to me seems yep. like I've got two. So it's like, wow, it's a large number. But right, like I think it's extra challenging, especially when you've still got little kids to learn and to be in this place where like so, so much of everything is new and carving out that time and being able to focus. And there are some I mean, there are some real tough challenges there. There's a lot yeah, of questions there <laughs> how how yeah, is this managed and how is this accomplished right to me that seems kind of like a big one and kind of a big like wow this is awesome that you did it just because of the poor kids and being the ages that they are and the time that it takes to you know deal with with the children and and uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that how are we were able to manage this go to school and and do that and find the time to because coding is like you said very immersive and with kids, it's a lot of interruptions. And so how are you able to carve out that time to, to do that? Yeah, I would say one of the most important parts of the journey for me was having a good community around me and positive mentorship. And so when I was starting, the, the mentorship that I needed wasn't necessarily you know technical or about the code. I just needed somebody to tell me, you can do it. It's okay that you have four kids you might not move at the same pace as some other people, but just adjust your expectations. And so when I started, there was an organization called Moms Can Code. It's not working in the same capacity anymore, but it was a free community of people who were working to moms who were working on learning how to code. And so just being able to sit down and do Zoom sessions for co-working where we would all work together and kind of chat about our day. I felt like I had a community that I hadn't had in a really long time. And also for me, I think it was kind of beneficial because after going through that trauma, it also felt like a rebirth. I'm not the same person that I was three and a half years ago. And I'm fine with that. I really love who I am right now. And so to come into something totally new, to learn something that I enjoy and to be around a community of people that has been so positive and supportive has really helped me to to enjoy and to think about this, not like a job, like I can't wait till I wake up in the morning and code. And I know that's not the same for everyone. And I think that one of the things that made it suitable for me is that I had four kids and that gets really chaotic and noisy. And I really crave that structure that I, I used to have before having kids. And, and don't get me wrong, I love being a mom, but it's nice to be able to sit down and again, have that order and that structure there. And so when I was learning to code, I had to break it down into kind of awkward chunks. And so... I know that I'm a morning person, so it was important for me to code in the morning because that's when my brain was working the best. So I started waking up at 4.30 in the morning and I would code, and I still do, from 4.30 to 6.30 a.m. Wow. most mornings. And then I would do like nap time. And now my daughter is in school. My three-year-old goes for a couple of hours in the morning. So now I code during that point of time. And then if I have to, <laughs> then I'll do, I do one night session a week now. And I think I was probably doing that then. I feel not as focused and not as on point as I do in the morning, but you know, still good enough to be able to make progress and be proud of the work that I'm putting out there. That's pretty That's impressive. Pretty 
<laughs> really amazing. I will. Can I just say, I, I go to bed at 930 every night. So it's not yeah. like I oh, never yeah. would advocate for not sleeping or for, you know, getting five hours of sleep and loading up on coffee because I don't think that's a sustainable lifestyle. But I, I go to bed early. I wake up early. Yeah. As, as I've gotten older, I used to be a, you know, we call a night owl and, and stay up coding sometimes through the night and it would work. And then as I started getting older, that's was diminishing returns. It was just not working for me. And then I started somehow, for some reason, some at some t- point, my schedule changed where I was just waking up naturally around 530 in the morning. And then I started working at that time, you know, just get up and start coding or, or pick up where I left off for two, three hours. And it was the most productive time I, I usually have during the day. And it still is. And I don't drink coffee. And so you definitely have to go to bed when your body says it's time to go to bed. My kids are a little bit older. They're 10 to 19 now. So that's easy for me to do. I don't have to worry about making sure they, you know, they get fed right before they go to bed. Everyone's pretty much ready for bed by the time I'm ready for bed. And so the older boys, they can do whatever they want. They know it's going to hurt in the morning if they don't go to sleep. So it's up to them. But I definitely agree with early morning being a productive time. And that's that's pretty cool that you found that and, and you were able to do those chunks because you, you can two or three hour chunks definitely do work. Yeah. And children are more or less the enemy of long stretches of uninterrupted time, which is more or less what you need to program. Yeah, I'm coming around to the same thing myself. I wanted to just touch a little bit. It's not really a question, but more. Just say kudos for being open and about talking about the birth trauma. As a dad, pre-dad, I didn't understand that this was such a chaotic and traumatic event. And we've gone through two pretty traumatic births and it definitely leaves its mark. And it's hard to understand, you know, everybody's experience is different, but it's hard to understand that experience unless you've lived through it. And so I just appreciate you talking about it and and making, you know, normalizing it a bit. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate you sharing with me. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It is really difficult and incredibly isolating, I think, just because it's hard for people to understand what that means unless they've gone through it. So I think, you know, one of the things that helped me through it was when I started Flatiron School, you're assigned a career coach. And my career coach had been run over by a semi truck. And she shared that information with me. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book. It's called How to Get Run Over by a Truck. And it's going to be a TV show, I think, as well. So good title. It's yeah, it's an amazing book. But just to be I felt like it was serendipitous to be at Flatiron School to have this career coach who was going to help me navigate Flatiron School. But also what she really did was help me make it through trauma because she shared her experience with me. And that made a huge difference because I saw, wow, she's she's on the other side of this and look at how amazing she is. Like maybe there's hope for me too. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite topics to discuss on this show is I have the same time constraints. I have two kids, but I've found that I have to really schedule like a lot of things, including unscheduled time and really master like the calendar. And I brought, many of us have brought pieces of the software development process into our family lives. Like we do kind of a half planning meeting thing on Sunday nights and a little bit of stand up in the evenings before bed between my wife and I. Do you, did you, have you brought any of that into your home life? Any things from software development world? I wish that my husband would agree to do like stand up at the end of the night. 
I think that scheduling for me is incredibly important. And so I have my paper calendar that I have to do every Sunday because I've tried apps and I've tried to be online and to go paperless, but that's one of the things that I just need to sit down and do. And I do the same thing. Even if I go work out at the same time every single week, that gets in my planner and my free time gets in my planner or I'll I'll give myself options for what that free time could be. Like, oh, I'll edit my memoir or I'll learn this new technology or read a book. But so so I think for me, the planning and the scheduling is really great. We have unsuccessfully tried to use Trello boards for home projects, but but maybe one of these days we'll get back to that. So my wife is a, an, a nurse and she works in the ICU and she does critical care patients and all that. And she comes home and she needs to, you know, unload a little bit and, and talk about just her, her night. She works nights. And a lot of times it's in the morning, I'm getting ready, taking taking kids to school, the youngest one, we still take her to school. And so she'll get home and take her to school, usually if she can make it home in time for that. And then she wants to talk a little bit, and just kind of decompress. And it's hard for me to kind of have that empathy there because I've never been in that situation and dealing with patients that may or may not, you know, make it or there's a lot of emotional stress that she's under in addition to all the physical stress and everything else that she goes through. But in coding, I don't find that it's necessarily an emotional stress when we get frustrated and and we get discouraged sometimes, but it's very different. And so it's hard for me to connect there. I don't know if switching to, to doing some coding and stuff, if, if you and your husband have been able to improve some of your communication, maybe not that it would have been bad before, but I just wonder how, how has it affected how you communicate with each other now that you're also a coder? Yeah, I think that it's been a lot of fun learning how to code and knowing that I have someone I could bounce questions off of. And so I'm still kind of at that state where I love being immersed in coding and learning all the coding things. And so just to be able to ask him questions about that or if I'm stuck on something like to be able to say, you know, am I moving in the right direction? Because, you know, I can ask him on Sunday morning at seven o'clock if what I'm doing is right. You know, I have that great access to be able to, you know, have at home mentorship for free. So it's been, it's been great to be able to have that experience and to learn new things and to see how he's grown because he's also a second career developer. So he had a business degree. He taught high school for a little bit. He was a Burger King manager. And so like we've gone through this transition into coding and I can for sure say that I understand so much more when he was learning to code as I went through the process because when he was doing it, it was kind of a stressful time. I was pregnant with our third and I was working a couple of jobs and he's like, well, I'm going to learn how to code. What? We don't have time for that. And I just kept thinking, I don't, I don't really know where this is going, but I knew so little about the industry and about the potential for learning to code. And then seeing that payoff, you know, a year and a half later was of course great, but it wasn't until right. I learned how to code myself where I thought like, okay, now I understand what he was doing all of those nights. And now, now I know why that was so important to him. So I think that it definitely helped me to understand him a lot better. Awesome. 
And I and I assume it's the other way too. So he encouraged you to do this, and he also knows what it takes to do it. So he's probably more supportive of, yes, take all this time you need, and you know, you know, run with it because he also understands. So I think that you know it's mutually been. I would assume it's really been good for him too. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, there were times that I know he couldn't pull himself away from work a couple of times because, you know, you get into it and when you feel like you're close, you just want to run with it. And so now I think he can understand he understands when I need just a little bit more time to work on a project because I'm just I'm in that mode and I'm so close to getting what I need. Very cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask about something that you mentioned before. So you mentioned sort of finding this support community and community of sounds like particularly moms and you mentioned co-working via Zoom. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like some of the stuff that you've done to um, support moms in tech, like sort of a little bit why you why you started or or did some of that stuff and what some of those things are. Yeah, great. I think that I've loved being part of that community and I've never felt so at home in a community of women as I have as a woman in tech. And so for me, I just love to be able to share things that I'm passionate about. So, you know, if you see me walking on the street, I will probably talk to you about birth trauma, coding, and lifting weights, because those are the things that I love talking about. And I feel like I have a lot of experience in. And so to be able to share that with other people and to see them grow in that is so rewarding. And I know that not everybody has the great mentorship that I did. And so if I can help someone along, then I'm more than willing to. So yesterday, for example, I did a Q&A with my moms and tech Slack group just because there were a lot of women who are coming into tech that have a lot of the same questions. And so I was able to record that and post it on YouTube to answer some of those questions. And so I'm working with another mom to do online meetups. We just are in early stages of figuring that out because both of us have kids and we can't get out. It's a the closest meetup for me is an hour away and that's in the evening. And if it's nine o'clock and I'm driving home, it's just probably not safe because I'm so tired. So I've been working on that and I've done, you know, anytime somebody has a question, I'm willing to meet with them. So whether that's through a Zoom meeting, which I've done a bunch of those or reviewing a resume or looking at someone's portfolio, I help with what time I can. But one of the projects I'm most excited about is one that I'm working on with Alex Tate, who is an amazing developer, who I met through Twitter, I think. And we both are interested in helping single moms get into tech. And so we are working on a project that will hopefully provide a lot of support for moms as they make that transition, you know, whether that's through mentorship or financial backing or just looking at, you know, whatever we can do to support them during that transition And so we're in the early stages of talking to moms about what they would need and just really formulating what the best plan of action would be. That's amazing. I'm a single mom myself, and I wish back nine years ago when I got into tech that I had resources like that. And I didn't, I just had to fight and pray and 
get myself through some really dark times and do it myself, learn myself and persevere. Yeah. And I know that I'm so fortunate. You know, I, I obviously I have my husband, but I also have my parents that live nearby. And so they've been amazing at watching my kids when I need help with that. They're, they're actually watching the kids right now. And I know that that support is definitely not there for, for everybody. And so there, there's a lot, if I can do anything to ease that transition and to help give them the support, then that's what I'm going to do. I think it's incredibly important important like I you know connect with connect with peers in tech but like things change once you have once you have kids and I mean meetups are a great example right sort of like explaining because I know that a lot of people have really good intentions with sort of thinking about like okay can we provide child care at meetups or things like that but really like just logistically evenings I don't know at what point it doesn't become just like this really intense couple of hours before everyone's in bed. But it's like logistically and all the things that have to happen in those, let's say, two or three hours, there's there's just a lot. And I know after my first, I was sort of able to make it back into back to meetups here and there. But I mean, now with with even just two, the idea of like, okay, well, I need to, you know, travel 30 ish and mine's just 30 minutes away, but like 30 minutes, you know, 30 ish minutes there I'm back and missing some of like these key, key parts of the day, both in terms of like helping out, but also just in terms of like that, that family time, it's, it's really hard to get back into it. And if you can't get back into it, it's really hard to find and settle yourself like within within a supportive community and it's really hard to explain to other folks like why you're not doing some of that stuff anymore yeah it's a real challenge and I another thing my husband and I are we know a lot of people in the community who are looking to transition into a new career they just need to be either making more money or they need more flexibility or stability. But for whatever reason, they've been asking us about where to start. And so I think we're going to do a meetup at our house with whoever from the community is interested, depending on the size of response. But obviously, it would be a kid-friendly thing and kind of a get-together and just an informal introduction into this is what tech looks like. These are the avenues to get into tech. These are the challenges you'll face. And I think that, you know, having that open environment and like those early Zoom sessions of co-working that I did really, really helped to shape my outlook because we were sitting there with, you know, babies on our lap or nursing babies or kids screaming in the background. And that was all normal and nobody made us feel uncomfortable for that. And I think that that's really important. Yeah, totally, totally 100% agree. Has there been anything in terms of like establishing this community of moms or like the moms in tech slack group has there been anything that's been surprising to you so it's interesting because when I was part of the moms can code community it looks a lot different than the moms in tech community that I'm a part of both definitely had their positives but I love how the group grows with the members of the group so now the moms can code group had a lot of new moms and the moms in tech slack group there's such a diverse group so we have moms who are interested in getting into tech moms who are learning moms who are in their first job moms who are looking for their first job and then moms who have been doing it their entire careers 
And I think it's really fun to see how supportive everybody is of each other and how much we can learn from each other. And one of the greatest things is how vulnerable moms can be. So talking about, you know, what the situation and their jobs are like and asking for feedback from other moms and how kind the other moms can be when they are responding to to the members. So I just think that it's such a beautiful and empathetic place to be. And I've not experienced such a great community as that. Great. You said that you you and your husband are both programmers. Have you ever pair programmed? We have done some pair programming together, <laughs> which is it's always an interesting experience. I mean, <laughs> it I think I don't I don't know how to describe it. He he is so smart and so brilliant that I, I always learn a lot when I am pairing with him. But I think that that dynamic when you're pairing with your spouse is a lot different than when you're pairing with someone that you work with or somebody that's in your community. And I'm sure that's different for everybody. So it, it is a great learning experience, but it's also something that's really new and different. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what what it is about that experience that makes it so fascinating. Yeah, that sounds super complicated. <laughs> All right. So we are going to move into the segment of our show where we talk about our genius and fail moments. So those are times within the last couple of weeks that we have done something truly incredible or maybe just a little bit incredible that makes us feel like we're we're doing great. We are genius parents and wonderful or fail moments where maybe something didn't turn out quite as planned or something didn't didn't go so well. So who wants to go first? Ooh, ooh, ooh. So my wife had recently a undisclosed milestone birthday for which I threw her a big party at a bar downtown here in Oakland, California. And it was, you know, a lot of fun. And I knew it was going to be a situation where we probably would have several drinks. And I was mentioning to a friend that I thought, you know, the real difficulty of the whole thing was not just planning and all of that and getting sitters, staying out until some period of time, maybe a little later than normal, but the next morning and how rough that is when you had a drink or two, maybe a little over the limit, and then you wake up early to have children jumping on your face. And they came up with the most genius suggestion, which I took them up on, was to hire a babysitter for the next morning. So we had a babysitter come at eight in the morning and take the kids until 12. And it was awesome. I don't plan on doing that very often, but for this specific situation, it worked out really well. And I definitely recommend it. That's amazing. And it's one of those things where you're like, wait, why didn't I think of that? Like, Yeah, totally. I can go next. Okay, so I have a genius. I feel like it's so rare that I have geniuses, but I have a genius. <laughs> and my, my genius is that we have been empowering and leaning into some of the more creative endeavors that Devin has been going after recently. So I think the main one was a couple of weeks ago, he like ran downstairs. He was, of course, supposed to be sleeping uh, after bedtime, but he ran downstairs and he said, I need you to collect all of the boxes 
that come to the house that I can build with them. And so for the next, the timing is great because it was like right around the holidays. So we just sort of collected boxes. And as they came to the house, we put them in his room and I gave him a roll of duct tape and he had his scissors and he built like for two weeks until he decided the boxes were taking up so much space. He built incredible things. He built like rocket ships and a robot. And I will say that there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of fail in the middle but it wasn't on my watch, where my son tried to use duct tape as a headband, which which did not go well, but ended fine. And I was not home for any of that, any, any of that experience. So I can just pretend it didn't happen and lean into the genius of empowering this sort of creative time that my that my son is going through. Did this result in any significant loss of hair? No, which I like don't, I don't quite understand how it didn't result in a significant loss of hair, but because the sticky part was, was on his hair, but my husband said that he managed to be able to get the duct tape out of his, out of his hair with minimal cut it like there was no noticeable cutting from my point of view so that's maybe like a secret sub genius <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> in this story that's not my genius though that's that's my husband's genius <laughs> so growing up one of my favorite shows and probably america's favorite shows was full house so i finally introduced my 10 year old to it and well, not actually full house. We started with Fuller House. It's more modern, but we love it. And every night we watch an episode or two and it's just a really good bonding time for us and way to settle down after a hard day at school and work. Oh, that's nice. Becca, do you want to go and then JC can close us out? Sure. So I, I'm not exactly sure whether or not this is a fail or a genius quite yet, but my eight-year-old was asking about going to Harry Potter land and she's not read Harry Potter and she doesn't like to sit still for very long. So she's not a big reader, but I said, well, you know, we might consider it once you read through all of the books. And so the next day she went to school and got the book out of the library and every minute she has, she's now devoting to reading the Harry Potter series. So I don't know if Harry Potter land is, is something that has to be in our future. I can't quite remember if that's what I promised. Amazing. So I've been for the past year and a half, I took up photography more in earnest and also with that came uh, side hobby, which is my main hobby now of bird watching. And I've, it's gotten me to meet a lot of cool people and travel mostly in the state to different places during certain times of year because of migrations. Uh, I got to go see whooping cranes, which are almost extinct. And, you know, they, they travel through Kansas, which is where I live in the great state of Kansas. But it's one of those things that has, has gotten me out of my comfort zone and to meet more people. And when I go anywhere now in the country, you can actually look up if anything's happening socially that way. And it just, and it takes you to different parts of, you know, we, we, we visit the same part of Texas pretty much every Christmas or Thanksgiving. And now I've visited other parts nearby parks and, and locations that are wildlife refuges. And it's been really awesome. So that's that's been one thing. My fail is that I have not been able to get any of my family to really go with me <laughs> in a, any kind of consistent basis. I'm, I've been trying to figure out how to 
get them interesting and, and interested in not necessarily just the bird watching, but the the fun that I've found in going outside, going to the parks, exploring different parks, uh, meeting different people with similar interests. And somebody referred to it as, you know, real life Pokemon Go. And it kind of is that way. That's my fail in that I have not been able to figure out how to convey how fun it is because it seems like it would be really boring. But I think part of it for me, the, the challenge of getting a better picture of a particular bird and improving on what pictures I have of different birds or discovering species that I've never seen or recognized before is part of the, you know, what attracts me to it and it makes it fun, but it's also been very calming and healthy for me. So if you have a, if you don't have a hobby outside of what you do for work, which for most of us is tech, I highly recommend getting one because it's been very, very therapeutic. So I was going to say that's like a current fail, but like 10 years ago would have probably been like a me time genius. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So Becca, if people would like to find you or learn more about you, where can they find you on the on the internet? I am a prolific tweeter, so you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Becca HW. I don't know if you can put that in the show notes because it's B-E-K-A-H and then another H and then a W. That's also where I am on Instagram. You can join the Moms in Tech Slack group if you are a mom. And I have a blog, which is BeccaHW.GitHub.io. And so I haven't kept up with my blog as much as I wanted to these first six months of coding, but it's it's in the plans for this year to more consistently update it. Great. We will link all of that in our show notes. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Great. And thanks so much to everyone for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you would like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We're patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much. 